This is LifeLinks with a DL link. One minute past 12 o'clock on a slightly chilly Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini. Looking forward to being with you for the next hour. Um, we have a fabulous warrior in the studio today and she's brought um, with her um, two experts in their field who are going to be talking about uh, uh, prosthesis and um, all all sorts of exciting things. So I really hope that you're going to stay with us for the hour. And I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for our guests, if you'd like to share any stories, the lines are always open. So you can reach us on 010-140-3020. Do we have an SMS line still? We do. I'm just looking for where the, the number is. Up, 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 up. I'll give you the SMS number in a moment. I should remember it, but for some reason, I simply do not. So, um... I would like to welcome our warrior um, today. I was lucky enough to attend the Three C's dinner, the DL Link Three C's dinner a few weeks ago. It was probably about six weeks ago. And um, it was just an overwhelming experience. First of all, the support, um, the amount of people who attended, um, the the speakers, um, the catering, the warm generosity of everyone, and just the incredible outpouring of love and support that was felt so deeply at this dinner um, was really very moving and um, I, I have met Bev before who is our warrior she has been on the show before and she stood up at the dinner and she spoke and it was such a a wonderful opportunity to just get into her heart and into her soul um, because she she spoke about the fact that really it was the first time that she had spoken so publicly um, that she didn't normally enjoy standing up and speaking in front of people. It was a very moving emotional experience and we were all so moved. So I'm so delighted um, that she has joined us today and that she is our DL Link Warrior. So Bev Siegel, welcome. Lovely to have you back on the show. Hi, Nikki. Um, hi, Fem. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, you know, we we I think it was over a year ago. It must have been or a year ago when I you think came it was onto the show. About yeah, probably last year, sometime the beginning of last year. And we've just had a quick little chat, and you've spoken about two big things that have happened in this past year. And here you sit with a smile on your face, looking gorgeous, so oh, positive, and and wow, you know, it's just this wonderful thing. As I said when I when I heard you speaking, it was once again just this incredible resilience that you have, the strength that you have. And, and that was the question I wanted to ask you when you had finished talking at the dinner yes. was, have you always been so strong, Bev? Is this, is this your character? I don't believe that I have, actually. I think that um, having cancer changed my whole outlook on life. And um, I knew that, you know, I, I live every day. You know, because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. So I was determined, determined to fight this. Mm. And um, I believe, well, I pray that I have, you know, by speaking to other people and actually dealing with other cancer patients and telling my story. That's helped me along. And that has made me brave and strong. And I feel totally blessed. Has it been a slow process? So for so when you were first diagnosed, and, we, and I want to talk about the diagnosis okay. because it was mm. such a... An odd uh, diagnosis, really, because who, who hears of a melanoma in, in, in one's eye? Okay. But when you when you first heard that, 
Were you vulnerable? When I first heard it, of course I was vulnerable. I mean, my whole world fell apart. Mm. Firstly, I mean, very unusual to have a melanoma in the eye. I had never heard of it before. And going just for a regular checkup, you know, and saying, you know, the doctor telling me that you have a severely detached retina with a mass in the corner of your eye. Well, I collapsed. Mm. I started sobbing hysterically. Mm. And, you know, thank God a very good friend of mine was with me. And she called Rob, my husband, because I broke down. And I said, you just got to meet me at the Donny Gordon. This is what's happened, you know. And he must have been shocked. He was totally, you know, and to tell my kids. And it was, how it was a nightmare. A, how come you had a friend with you, Bear? Because I knew that my, uh, my pupil would have to be dilated. And at worst, I thought, you know, well, I wouldn't be able to drive, you know, leaving the doctor. And um, I thought maybe it's like... You know, a cataract at worst. Mm-hmm. But when I was told this is what the story is, I pr- thank God my friend was with me because mm. she was there to comfort me. Mm. She was there to call my husband for me. Mm. You know, she took over the whole role that I wasn't able to do yeah. at the time. Yeah, you know? I've, I've so often had warriors sit where you are who, who talk about the importance of actually having someone there at mm. the doctor. But you mm. didn't know, as you said, it was a you. You, you just well, you remember, had no idea. I remember actually. I remember actually on the day. I think I don't even remember telling Rob, you know, that I was going to have the eye checked, you know, and then, he, you know, I think he actually forgot about it. And then when I called, he said, oh, yes, my God, you went to see, you know, Colin Cohn and what happened. And, you know, my friend Lolly had repeated what had happened to me. And I mean, our world collapsed mm, and it hasn't been the same since. Mm. I mean, it can't be. Can't be. No. Can't. Now you, t- you, you open the door and you're in a, in a different yeah. world, a different, different dimension world. completely. A different, different world. And yeah. you discover so many things about yourself. You oh, uncover absolutely. things that you never knew you had. I think firstly, definitely for me, is the bravery mm. and the courage. Mm. Um, I don't ever believe that I had that before. I had yeah. no reason to ever think that about myself. And, you know, people react differently to a diagnosis. And for me, um, it's been a positive diagnosis for me in a way that I can help other people along the journey that I've been on and mm. going on and still on. Mm. Yeah. But the bravery, mm. again, I'm going to go back to mm. that. You spoke about this emotional response and mm. the bravery, and it also mm. it's given you the purpose to go out and speak mm. to other people. But, mm. again, was that something that developed? Did it get stronger or stronger, or did you just rise to the occasion? I think I rose to the occasion. It's fantastic. I think I rose to the occasion, you know, and... It's like a new me. It's mm. the most bizarre thing because I've always been a p- pretty quiet person, you know, and not out there. And now I'm just so able to go there, stand up, speak to people. And I feel that my whole, my, my personality mm. has just, you know, mm. it's the, the, uh, it's the, re- the revealing, it's shown. the revealing, because it, yeah. it was there. It was there. It was there. It was there. And it's taken after. this. For it to shine, yeah, oh, wow! It's just way it's it's amazing how Hashem works, you know, mm. for me. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. Bev, you had this the, the the doctor tell you that you had this mass, right? Um, and and what was the next step? Okay, so the next step, I was uh, flown to Cape Town, um, where I had something called brachytherapy. Um, I was put under general anaesthetic. Um, they detached the muscles in my eye, and for seven. For a week in hospital, they they monitored pellets of radiation into the right into the right eye, um, and I was highly radioactive. Nobody was allowed to come near me, bar my family at a distance. I had this metal plate on the eye, sure. and then seven days later, was that was there a lot of discomfort? Oh, absolutely, mm. a lot of pain. Was it very a painful? Of, yeah, a lot of mm. pain, headaches, nausea, and isolating. I'm sure and being yeah, there at the, at the yeah. end of the corridor, no oh. one's allowed to come in there. Oh. You know, even the nurse when she would come and put the eye drops in, she like had an eye patch on her. 
she was at a distance and um, it was a difficult time for me. It was mm. a very difficult time. And at that time, I didn't know that I was going to be having my eye removed. What was going through your mind? Isolated. Having this treatment, not knowing what the outcome would be. Because you had a lot of time huge, in your own mind, huge, right? Huge, fear. Mm. Fear, mm. you know. Um, how, were you, how did you deal with that fear? You know what? I think by speaking to, my, to, to the closest people to me, okay. you know, my husband, my kids, my friends, mm. and having that continual support and never, ever feeling alone. Yeah. Alone in the room, of course, but never feeling alone. Mm. Because mm. I always knew that they were there. They were get, they were going to be there in the morning. They were going to be there in the afternoon. They yeah. would be there in the nighttime yeah. for me. And then on the seventh day, as I was saying, I went back into surgery and they um, took out the, the – the, it's an 18-carat – they call it – it's a plate under the eye. Mm-hmm. And they re- reattached the muscle in the eye. But my eye was never right from then. It was very, very small. Um, the eyesight had, was completely – I mean, I, I had little, little vision. I started having special injections into the eye to see if I could get my vision back, which didn't work. And um, yeah. Sure. Let's take a break. Yeah. Um, we're going to get back to the story because I want to find out if that radiation worked um, and yeah, what, what happened next. So stay with us. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. Welcome back to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Our warrior today is Bev Siegel. And what a story she has. We've only really just started with the story. Um, and incidentally, the lines are open on 0101403020, or you can SMS us on 34519. So, Bev, there you were. You were in Cape Town. You had gone for those blasts of... What radio? It was brachy radiation. Brachy yes. radiation. Yes. After yes. day seven, they yes. took the plate out. Yes. You couldn't see properly out no. of your eye. Your eye never really recovered. But had the radiation had it worked? Had uh, that mass um, shrunk? The, it became scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, it did shrink. And then I would go for regular checkups. I would fly to Cape Town. Like every three months, they would check my eye. I was under Doctor Skoltz, phenomenal doctor. Mm-hmm. He did the procedure for me. And then um, I developed a mass on my liver. How and, long after? Um, sure. It was probably about four or five months later, sure. um, if I remember correctly. And then that was picked up how? That was picked up by having an MRI scan and a PET scan. Okay. And then my oncologist and a few other doctors felt that the eye had become active again and that we just need to discuss, am I going to have my eye removed or am I going to keep the eye? And once they had said that, I said, there's no ways. I've got to, I've got to get this eye out. Mm. You know, it's already metastasized to my liver, you know, and, and the liver is the main organ. Mm. You know, I was, I was finished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we made up the mind, my mind that this is what we were going to do. And I have to just ask mm. you, because it's quite interesting mm. how you've said I had to get rid of the eye. The eye. That's you it. know, not my eye, no, the, the eye. eye. And at what point does that part of the body, when it's you, I mean, my eye, this is my eye, this is my body. At what point does it become the eye? I became detached, mm. strangely. And I still call it the eye. The I don't eye. call it my eye. Mm. You know, bizarre. Mm. And the morning when I went in to have my eye removed, my eye now, mm-hmm. my eye removed. Um, oh, it was so frightening for me, Nikki, yeah. because I knew that I was losing a body part. Yeah. And how was I actually going to look in the mirror, mm. you know, when when I was able to, when I, they removed the, you know, mm. the, 
Well, it's all of that. Yeah. As you said, yeah. it's removal of a body part. Yeah. It's yeah. how are you going to look? How are you going to mm. relate to yourself? Mm. How are you going to relate to not seeing out? It's mm. so, on so mm. many levels. Mm. Did you have someone, Bev, who helped you through this process? A, a professional person? Um, I went to maybe three sessions of therapy. I just didn't connect with the therapist. Okay. Um, I've never been one that enjoys going for therapy. Okay. So you just dealt with it. I dealt with you it. Moved forward, you moved forward, made the decision, Absolutely. and you went in for the surgery yeah. to have yeah. your eye removed. Yes. Okay. Yes. And after that, how? what was that like? Well, waking up after the surgery, mm. I remember feeling incredibly nauseous. And at the Sandhurst Eye Clinic, unfortunately, you can't sleep over. So we went home that day, and I remember driving home, and, oh, my God, the bumps in the road, and, and the nausea and the pain in the eye, mm. and taking so much medication. And... Um, in the morning, my doctor actually called me said, how was your night, Bev? I said, well, I'm surprised I actually woke up. I took so many meds, you know. Um, but the pain seems to have subsided. But I knew that in the next few days I'd have to have this, I'd have to clean my own, yeah. my own eye. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. So my sister, one of my sisters, would come to me every morning before work, like at 7 in the morning. We'd go into the bathroom. She would take the bandage off. Sure. She'd clean the eye. I, I couldn't even look at myself. And um, how, how was she? How did she She was awesome. It? She's actually a, ph- a pharmacist, oh, so she was amazing. she was amazing. Right, right. And she helped me a fortune with that in the first, I would say, two weeks. And then you know what? It becomes part of you, and you just get so used to it. Mm. You know, now if I take my eye out, it's not a big deal that's anymore. That's right. But right. initially, but that's life again. Mm, it's always mm, so difficult mm, in the beginning. There's that mm, resistance. Absolutely. And then when you give in to the resistance, yeah, then yeah, it's amazing yeah, just yeah. how quickly it's you can just, shift. I don't even feel that it's in my eye anymore you know look this is my third prosthesis i mean it's amazing it's it's phenomenal i mean you've got the most beautiful eyes Really, really, really. Yeah. And we're going to talk to the experts in a yeah. moment no, who, made that, who made that possible. It wasn't for the experts. <laughs> but before we get there, mm. I just want to talk about okay. Rob, yes. this supportive husband. There he is, you know, at the fundraisers. There he is. He is the greatest supporter of the DL Link. He shouts the praises of the DL Link. He is such a supportive, incredible husband. And, you know, I don't know him, but he mm. comes across as a man who likes to be very much in control and here he has a wife who is just put in the situation that he can't control and how you know how was that okay for rob oh you know he's always been the fixer as yeah. you say and he couldn't fix this he he broke down you know he never actually showed me his his side of his emotion but he would probably speak didn't to, want to he put you sh- under he pressure would sh- he would speak to his friends okay. and i knew mm. and i remember the one time when i was re-diagnosed maybe my third time and we got the results that um, it wasn't anywhere else, but it was only in my liver. He broke down and he cried, you know, and just hmm. it was, it's, it's been very yeah, tough. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And your kids? Whew. How many and kids do you I have? I have two. Right. I have a daughter, Kelly. She's t- going to be 28 and a son, Greg. He's going to be 26. Cannot believe that you have a 28-year-old. <laughs> it's completely insane. I don't know how that's possible. How old were they? Cal was 21 when I was first diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going in for, I was flying to, her 21st was on the Saturday night, the 29th of November. And I flew to Cape Town on the Monday. I was having the procedure done. For Kelly, it was very tough. She kind of removed herself a lot from me. Mm. That was her coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Her biggest fear was cancer. Cancer, sure. You know, and um, it still is today. And Greg, on the other hand, very nurturing. Came to my, well, Kelly came to a lot of my chemos, but Greg, I think, came to all the chemo sessions. Wow! And um, you know, they, people deal with it differently. Mm. You know, um, 
It's, you know, they, they love and adore me, care for me. They're always there for me. But they show it in a different way, I right, guess, you know. Right. And that's your understanding yeah. of it. If you're yeah. okay with that. And I'm okay with and it. And you're okay I'm with okay it. With that's it. fantastic. Yeah. There's yeah. peace, isn't it? Yeah. That's There's a lot peace. of peace there. But mm. Robbie's awesome. Mm. He's probably listening and listening and smiling now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so let's talk about your eye. So right. you've had it removed. Yes. Um, had people told you that it was possible to have a prosthesis, that, that it would look like you had an eye? Or did you think you were just going to wear a patch? Or No, no. No, I always knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was basically, when I was told my eye was going to be removed, I was introduced to Gavin um, Downward, who you're going to listen to. He's going to chat just now. And I met Gavin at Dr. Pierce's rooms, and um, Dr. Pierce was my ocular surgeon. He removed the eye. And Gavin explained the whole procedure to me, and I felt so such an attraction to Gavin immediately. Mm. He, felt me, he made me feel so comfortable, mm. and he explained everything to me. And, you know, he wanted to get my eye made before I was going to have my chemo treatment. So normally we'd wait, I think, six weeks to have the eye put in um, because there's so much swelling. But he managed to get my eye in five weeks because on the Monday I went in to have the chemo and I needed to feel whole again. I didn't want to walk in there with patch on the eye. And I remember walking in there and Dr. Barobioff was... Let me see, let me see. And he was like so excited because he had never seen this before. And he was wonderful to me. And um, so this was the first one. Um, And then when my eye started, um, when the the swelling started to, you know, shrink, I had to have a new prosthesis made, the second one, which didn't really fit really well for me. Mm -hmm. It was a bit big in the eye and Mm -hmm. more like bulging. I felt very uncomfortable with it. And then um, Gavin and Chantel made the third eye for me. Is this the one that you have now? This is my third eye. And I've had it in for about a year, I think. And the the color is identical. Identical. And it's phenomenal. And I love it. And I'm happy. Unbelievable. Well, yeah. let's, let's introduce Gavin and Chantal. Um, Gavin and Chantal Downward, they are ocularists. Yes. And, um, it's lovely to have you, have you both in the studio. Hi, Chantal. Hi, and hi, Gavin. Hello there. Thanks for having us. Gee whiz. So to be an ocularist, you, you work on the eye. You can put a prosthesis into the eye. What else does an ocularist do, Gavin? We specialize in making ocular prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get different kinds of prosthetics. You okay. get full prosthetics or and you get haptic shells. Those what is the difference, if you can explain? A haptic shell is for when a person still has the existing eye, mm-hmm. but it's what we call microphthalmic. It's shrunken. Mm-hmm. So it's a thin shell that we put, put over the person's existing eye. Okay. Wh- when would that happen? Um, sometimes when people have an injury to the eye right. and the eye just shrinks a bit. Um, some of it is uh, people are born with that condition when the eye is smaller, and we'll fit the shell over that. Wow. And and so the two of you, husband and wife, um, how did you how, did you meet while you were studying? I mean, I'm fascinated that you've got a husband. And did you meet while you were practicing and fall in love? How, how, how did this happen? And I'm going to Chantal, because I think she's going to tell a better story, Gavin. Don't take it personally. <laughs> Gavin always says he took advantage of me. (laughs) (laughs) That could have been an interesting story. (laughs) I um, actually, I grew up in Port Elizabeth Mm -hmm. and I did my training in Cape Town. And um, when I decided to open my own practice and go on my own, I then contacted Gavin, who I'd met previously, and then asked him for advice and ended up going, coming up to Johannesburg and finding out as much as I could about what I needed to buy and help 
me, he helped me set up my business in Port Elizabeth. So that's how we actually and the sparks flew. Friends. The sparks flew. <laughs> now, do you both have a prosthesis? We do. You yes. both do? do. That is absolutely fascinating. Mm. How did that come about? So, Gavin, I'm going to start off with you. Um, I had glaucoma of my eye, mm-hmm. and my eye was removed. When did you have glaucoma? Was I must have been at the age of about 18. 18. That's young. Isn't yeah. that young for glaucoma? For glaucoma, it is young. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Why would they remove the eye? With Sorry, for, for glaucoma. It was a very painful eye. Okay. It was a very painful eye. And they didn't have the medical procedures then that they've got today. All right. Okay. So, so they removed the eye. That's correct. Okay. At 18. Yes. Hmm. And you, Chantal? Um, I was born with a, what they call a microphthalmic eye. It's just a blind eye that's never developed. Okay. So I've never had any surgery, and just from the age of three, I've had shells fitted over my eye. Okay. So this is obviously what drew you, both of you, to your career, to, you know, a fascination and wanting to then help other people. That's correct. Which is just yes. fantastic. So, Gavin, when you first met um, Beverly and you knew that she was going to go for the surgery, how how do you deal with it as, as a doctor? Um, as, you know... Uh, sorry, not a doctor, an ocularist, sorry. As an ocularist, how do you deal with someone who is going through that emotional anguish? Um, you know, it's a loss of a body part, as Bev said. How, how, how do you cope with that? I've dealt with this for many years with people. And what I did is I took a photo album with me. Mm-hmm. I actually went to Sandhurst Eye Clinic. Yeah. And I met Bev and her family there. And uh, we sat down and explained. I showed them results that we had of other people. Because the problem is once somebody's had their eye removed, they don't know what to expect. Right. They've always heard stories about how prosthesis were made in the olden days. and So we ran th- went through the photo album. I showed her what we can do and uh, told her and her husband, they must stop worrying. Let me worry now. Let you worry. How do you fit a prosthesis? It's quite a lengthy procedure. We start off by taking an impression of the eye. We then... Uh, How do you do that? We got a little shell that we'd put inside under the lids. Okay. And we'll pump a dental alginate inside the socket. Is it painful, Bev? That mm, no, no, it wasn't painful. No, no. Okay. I use the anesthetic. Okay. And then we'd get the shape of the socket from there. We, after that, we'll make a mold of that shape and make a model... Then we fit it to the patient, but it would be oversized. And we'll start gradually making it smaller and smaller till we got the right shape and size. And in the interim, we'd also paint a color. And once, once that's done, we'd mold it again, mm-hmm. put it together with the color and the white sclera of the eye. Mm-hmm. And after that, we'd vein the prosthesis. Wow. Let's take a break, and then I want to break that down a little bit. I want to know what it's made up of. Okay. Um, so, so stay with us. It's a fascinating, fascinating okay. topic. We'll be right back. LifeLinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. 
Welcome back to the DR Link Show. I'm Nikki Seberini. Um, this is 101.9 Chai FM. And this is the show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. And we're learning about um, the eye and we're learning about a prosthesis for the eye, which I'm finding incredibly, incredibly interesting. Um, we have two ocularists in the studio, Gavin and Chantal Downward. Um, our um, warrior is Bev Siegel. Bev has been sharing how she had to have her eye removed and that she had this prosthesis made. So Gavin's just giving us an idea of what the process is. So you talk about when you first make it, it's slightly bigger, Gavin. What is it made out of? It's made out of acrylic. Acrylic? Yes. So is it hard, it soft? Is a, it's a hard material. Yes. But the reason why we do it out of acrylic is so that it's the same material as we make the actual prosthesis. So when we fit it, we can see how the lids compare to the other side. It doesn't stick. It slides nicely across over the eye. Okay. And it gives us a better way of assessing the shape and the fitment. Okay. So so that's how you make it. Then you said you first, then you, you put the color in. So there's a, the, who, who paints that? Chantal is the better one. Chantal is the one. So, Chantal, did you study art? I mean, I'm looking at your eye. It is absolutely perfect. The color, the and you painted it. Yes. Fantastic. I've, wow. I've got a bit of a difficult color. It's got a, a bit of green mm-hmm. that I usually will paint it myself looking into a mirror. We have a little button that we paint the color onto, the iris color, mm-hmm. that's sized and has a pupil cut into it. And how do you, is it difficult to match the color? Is it, does it, it's going to take a few times sometimes? Sometimes, mm. but after doing it for many years, usually mm. you do get it right the first time. And what do you use to paint it? What, what, is, what kind of paint do you use? It's Colorant. a, a water colors pigment, mm-hmm. water-based and we paint with the liquid, the monomer that goes into the material. Um, that is what we actually paint with. So it's got a very strong smell. Okay. For a and while. Yes, that For bonds with the material. Sure. And you spoke about veins, Gavin, getting those veins. Yes. we. Got is that then the morning after? When do you look at the veins? After the, the morning, after the night, before or that? I'm not sure what I'm <laughs> saying. But preferably it's w- not. Preferably when you've got having a clear eye day. Preferably <laughs> not. Um, when we, once we've made the eye up before veining, it will just be the iris and the white sclera, mm-hmm. which would be very white. We've got to put a bit of stain on that sclera, but a yellow little bit of pink some people more blue older people more gray and then after that we'd put veins on top of that by taking cotton Mm -hmm. and flaring it open and then we put the cotton on top there and match it to the other eye and when we finish then we'd put a clear coat of acrylic over the top of that gee what a process how long does that take with the fitting and then the there's about 36 Steps or processes to go through for every prosthesis. Amazing. From the beginning to the end. Wow. Absolutely amazing. And, and I asked you off air, I said, are there a lot of people who need um, an eye prosthesis? And you said, yes. There Lots is. of people. There is. And all different reasons, some are accidents. Um, but there is a good few people that need prosthesis. Fantastic. Mm. So, Bev, you went into chemotherapy, you had your eye. 
um, and you just felt fantastic because you looked at yourself and you you looked like Bev. I looked like Bev, and I, you know, I felt whole again. Mm. You know, obviously, it took a while for the prosthesis to settle. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't used to it. So, um, but what amazes me about this whole eye story is that my eye blinks, it moves. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, look, you, you, you. I'm looking yeah. at you, yeah. and there's no way yeah. I would look at you and say that that is not mm. the, those mm. aren't your mm. that isn't your mm. eye. Mm. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. So if I tell people my story and I'll tell them about, you know, I've had my eye removed, they say, but which eye is it? Mm. Mm. And so so yeah. do you have to take it out every day, put it back in? What's the, the procedure? No, less, the less you take your eye out, the better it is. Okay. Why, why is that, Chantal? Um, the eye does, uh, there's a layer of protein that covers the prosthesis. And it tends to cushion the eye slightly and make it more comfortable. Okay. So they do say rather leave it in for four to six weeks um, before removing it to clean it. Okay. So, Gavin, uh, sorry, because I, I really know very little about this. So we have tear ducts. Yes. The tear ducts are there to clear and to lubricate, etc. When the eyeball is removed, you still have the, the, the tear ducts. You still got your tear ducts. So, you're, so it's going to be working. You're going to be washing the eye naturally, That's natural lubrica- lubrication. Yes. So really, if, if, if that is the case, then you wouldn't need to be taking it out no. too often. It also depends on what kind of prosthesis you got. Okay. Um, if you got a full prosthesis after having an evisceration, you wouldn't need to remove it. What is evisceration? Evisceration is an operation whereby they remove the content of the eye, but not the actual eye. So they would keep the sclera of the eye, which would still be connected on the muscles, and they'd put an implant inside there and stitch that closed. Okay. Otherwise, if you wear a haptic shell or So there's something or so, in it. So the skin, that whatever, the co- you don't have to put a color or anything because it's there. No. No? We, uh, we still make a prosthesis that would cover that. Right. Because it would be smaller than your, old, than your own eye. Okay. But uh, if you wear a haptic shell or a scleral shell, then we recommend that you must remove your eye every night. Okay. To get oxygen on the cornea. Okay. So for you, Bev, you don't? No, I don't. You don't? Very really, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, you know, there is a protein, uh, protein buildup, which does happen. I need to take my eye out. Mm-hmm. I actually just wash it under water, mm-hmm. and then I don't even dry it because it's easier for me to get the prosthesis back in if it's, if it's a bit damp. Mm. Yeah. What was it like the first time you held your eye ball? It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant. No. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a bit nervous I'm about how to put it in? No, oh, definitely. And now it's just so oh, easy. Now it's very easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't fun. No, not gonna lie. no. Mm-hmm. And your kids? Did they? I mean, is it something that they don't want to see? Or they? My, when I first had the prosthesis put into the eye, and I would sit at the supper table, and it would be like really, it would be hurting me a lot. Initially, it took a while to settle. Mm-hmm. I would say to my kids and to Robbie, it was at the, I need to just go take my eye out, run upstairs, take the eye out, and just sit <laughs> at the supper table. Did you find humour in that? I'll tell you another story. <laughs> sit at the supper table. With, and, I mean, it's it's not nice when the eyes out, you know, but. Mm. You that. have to be. You mm. have to find humor. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's easy, but you have to find have. humor in it. Yeah, you do. I mean, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were overseas once, and it was the most hysterical story. Um, we were in Paris, and I had forgot that I'd taken the eye out. I don't know for what reason. I'd maybe just woken up, and the cleaner came in to drop off the towels. And I opened the door. I had no eye, and she went into the bathroom, and my eye was in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine what she thought. Anyway, so yeah, she's we do, still in therapy. We do, we do, we do <laughs> laugh about it. She's still in therapy. Yeah, so, but you know, it, it, 
It's always an interesting question. You know, we're born and as human beings, you, you think of what a miracle it is that we, that we pop out and we're all okay. But why we have this attachment to perfection, um, you know, and that when on a physical level, when things go wrong, how difficult it is for us to deal with it. Um, and it's, it's something that it's, it's, it's always interesting to me that we, we, we find that difficult, you know, that you wouldn't be able to walk around like that because it, it would be difficult for you and it would be difficult for other people. Why can't be. we just get it used to be. that? It Why? What is because that? Because I will tell you, it's, it's quite scary for somebody to see. Hmm. You know, it's even, I'm only getting used to it now. With really, Bev? When I take the prosthesis out. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had to go and have an, uh, my checked. I went to Dr. Pierce, and my sister was with me, Tracy, and she hadn't seen me without the iron for a very long time. And she became, like, very emotional, mm. you know. Yeah. Because she feels like, carry on with life, da-da-da-da, but, you know. And all of a sudden, there it yeah, was, a reminder. It. Mm. Yeah. Let's continue. What a journey. So... You then went, you, you found out that it had spread to the liver. You went for chemotherapy. How was that? I first had the liver surgery. Okay. I first had liver, keyhole liver surgery mm-hmm. in 2014 mm-hmm. um, where they removed um, three tumors from my liver and um, my gallbladder at the same time. Sure. Why your gallbladder? Just as a precaution because okay. my mom had a, a gallbladder removed and mm-hmm. she actually passed away. She had septicemia, so he didn't want to take any chances. Okay. So he removed the gallbladder and I uh, had Was it a very painful surgery or not because keyhole. of the keyhole? No, not too bad. Okay. I mean, relatively, it was okay. Yeah. You know, you still got to recover from the general anesthetic. Mm, and, mm. Um, and then I had my chemo, I think. No, then I had the eye removed in the next month. Um, and then I had chemotherapy after sure. that. Yeah. Sure, sure. Mm. Um, did you have a team of doctors that you were working with? Was it one particular doctor? Always uh-huh. interested to to know who was who was making drove, the decisions. I yeah. had one doctor that drove the other doctors. Really, a friend of ours, mm-hmm. personal friend of ours, mm-hmm. that contacted a few doctors. Right. But obviously, I was recommended the doctors that I went to. Right. And I have unbelievable doctors. Okay. All of them, okay. from the Cape Town doctor to um, my retina specialist, who I love and adore, Doctor Van Lingen and mm-hmm. um, Doctor Skoltz and. Dr. Pierce. You were in good hands. Amazing. You felt very confident. Yeah, and my oncologist. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How was the chemo? Um, the chemo, of course, I didn't know what to expect. And on my first chemo, I was going to have my chemo over two days, Monday and a Tuesday. It was going to be two days on and um, three weeks off because it was just very intense chemo. So mm-hmm. they gave me something called DTRC, mm-hmm. which was a full body chemo. And it was very um, invasive. Why a, full, why a full body chemo? Because it had already metastasized okay. from the eye to the okay. liver. And they were worried it was going to go anywhere, right. anywhere somewhere else. So um, my first chemo was vascular. It was very, very burny. It was, it was, what, as it was going in? It was going in and very, very slowly because it was so painful. And um, so instead of taking, I think, like two hours on that day, it took 45 hours oh, over the two gosh. days. And then... Um, Leslie, who works for my oncologist, said, Bev, you can't do this. You need to have a port fitted. And I thought, I can't have more surgery. Oh. How am I going to do this? Do you anyway, need to, is that how they put the port in? You go in for the surgery? So okay. I made up my mind that I need to have the port put in because I knew I had to have many treatments and it's so vascular and it burns like mad. Right. I wouldn't be able to manage. Mm-hmm. So I went in, I think, on a Friday to the Morningside Clinic under GA. I had a port fitted. And on Monday, I started more t- my second lot of treatment. And um, for anyone out there that um, is thinking about having a port, I would say absolutely. 
because you don't feel anything. Mm. You know, you're not worrying that your veins collapse, they can't find a vein. Here, it's automatically, I put a, I put something called an Embla patch onto, onto my port, mm-hmm. and they would inject the needle. I don't feel anything. And that was life-changing for me. Okay. So I still have a port mm-hmm. because I've been in and out of remissions. So. If, and if you weren't, would you have it removed? Is it something you'd have removed? Um, I would have it removed, okay. but I don't believe that I can have it removed okay. right now. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Mm. Right. So you went, and how did you cope with that chemotherapy? As you said, you weren't expecting. What was what what, what kind of results did I you get? I think the biggest thing for me was, besides the chemo, was the insane anxiety. I had such anxiety, and I wasn't around only chemotherapy. Just what about was going to happen? Uh, about you know, first finding out that I have cancer, right. and then how am I going to deal with the cancer, right. and all the different emotions mm-hmm. with the cancer. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't—I never took tablets in my life. I was now popping rescue remedy. I mean, rescue. What's mm-hmm. that going to do? Mm-hmm. And my sister, who's the pharmacist again, said to me, "You've got to go on to something." Anyway. And Dr. Bro- my Dr. Robia, if I can mention my oncologist, mm-hmm. and he said, this is the time when you can take whatever you like. And I went on to something. It did help me. But my anxiety was so bad that my whole side of my face used to become numb, 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 numb from anxiety. And thank God I don't have that anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and I know how to deal with my anxiety. Um, the chemo, did I have nausea? I had nausea. Did I vomit? I didn't, thank goodness. Um, insane fatigue. Exhaustion beyond mm-hmm. you can't even explain the, the exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Uh, loss of appetite, lose weight, lose weight. You're going to lose weight because you're not eating. Mm. Um, Your hair? I didn't lose my hair. I didn't. Thank goodness, I didn't lose my hair. And then I had to repeat. I had something called immunotherapy treatment because my cancer came back. Mm-hmm. How long after that? Uh, a year after okay. that. Okay. Um, they found tumors again in the liver, so I had. Proper liver surgery. Right. Professor Ramos, he's my surgeon. Where they cut you right open. He cut me. He cut me sure. right open. Okay. And um, I went on to something called um, ipilimumab, which is an immunotherapy treatment, which targets the unhealthy cells, doesn't affect the healthy cells like chemo does, mm-hmm. affects both cells. Mm-hmm. That was a treatment for sessions. And uh, immunotherapy is very specific, right? Yes, it is. Very specific. It is. And you know what? They've done a lot of clinical trials, and especially on melanoma, so I was very privileged even though I wasn't a clinical trial patient, we still had to pay for the medication. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's a huge expense. Yeah. It's a huge expense. Um, the medical aid pays part of it, but not all of it. Um, so I had that, and then I had some tests done after that, and I was fine probably in the January, February. And then my cancer came back in 2016. 2016, right. I have more liver surgery. I didn't have any more so treatment. So it keeps coming back in the liver. It came in the liver. And then in this year, this year, um, I went for a PET scan in, it was in April, and they found that the tumors are back, and they thought that they had seen one in the kidney. <clears throat> when they operated on me, they couldn't see it in the kidney. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up and my Professor Ramos saying to me, the surgery went really, really well, but we can't see, find the other tumor. And I was worried. I knew that if he had seen it, it's got to be somewhere. Mm come back in three months time which I did I had an MRI of my liver and they found the tumor in the kidney so I had a blastation of the of the tumor in the kidney and that just explain what that blastation is blastation basically is um, basically it's a needle that they it's the it's the, the length and the width of, of a pencil they explained it to me and they put you under GA it's done in the CT scan section of the Donnie Gordon sure so you go into the machine, you're asleep. Sure. And um, what they do is 
um, they put you into such a position where they can get to, obviously to the tumor on the kidney and they, they had, they put me onto my side and they blasted the tumor out of the kidney and then I had to wait for my results. I slept one night in the hospital and when I woke up the next day I had like numbness going all the way down my leg which is probably maybe the position that they put me in but it was nothing really to worry about. It lasted about three months mm-hmm. and um, when I went back for my results it was malignant. Um, so where we're at now is I am, I've just had blood tests yeah. two weeks ago yeah. and I am having a PET scan in January and um, sure. that's it. I think we need to have a break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. LifeLinks is a DL-Link fundraising initiative. Welcome back to the DL-Link show. Our incredible warrior is Beverly Siegel, and we have Gavin and Chantal Downward, who are ocularists also in the studio. Bev, as I said, we just take a breath. I mean, I am emotionally exhausted from just listening to what's unfolded over the last few years and I'm looking at you and just wondering where you keep that how you cope with it you spoke about incredible anxiety at the beginning you also spoke about you have a purpose that you go you are like a different person your coping mechanisms your will to fight your desire to help others but it's got to be with you every day is it, or am I just projecting that? Oh, when, no, you up, when you wake up, when you wake up, it's with me every right. day. It's with me, and you know. And really, how do you I think the most that? difficult times for me is the time when I know that in a week's time I have to have a PET scan or yeah. I have to have blood tests. Mm-hmm. You know, my my anxiety level just shoots yeah straight through the sky. I mean, yeah. and that for me is. And other than that, I must be honest with you. Do I think about it every day? I don't believe that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I get on with my life. I'm Good. very busy with like charity work, so mm-hmm. I keep myself busy, and um, so I try to push it to the back of my mind. Like I'm almost thinking that when you when you've had the diagnosis and you know that you're going in for surgery or you're going for chemo, or whatever it is, you you're problem solving. You're dealing with it. It's the not knowing. It's, it's as you say that the knowing that you're going for the PET scan and then that, that builds up. For me, I can go know? in and have the operation knowing that I'm having the tumor yeah. removed. I know that. Yeah, but yeah. You can deal with that. What are my results going to be when I get them the next day? And I, I you know, and. For me, that is, oh, I can't even tell you mm. how traumatic that is. I can't, me. I cannot even begin to yeah, imagine. It's very it. traumatic. How often do you have to go for PET scans? Once a year, you have a PET, mm-hmm. but I have ch- um, bloods every three months, mm-hmm. uh, MRI maybe three to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, do you meditate? Do you do yoga? Do you well, do I started things? yoga. Okay. I did start yoga. Been a bit slack with the yoga. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough, eh? It, it's so difficult. So I difficult. mean, I'm a big gymmer, but yoga is not easy. People think that yoga is a walk in the park. Yeah, I do a lot of exercise. I'm very strong, very fit. It keeps my mind strong. Which has I, I helped really, you really tremendously. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about the mind, mm. gym, helping you with the sure, mind. What sure. else do you do? What else do I do? To try and just, yeah. Counsel other patients? I counsel a lot of patients. And that's, a, that's, that's huge. I okay. counsel a lot giving of patients. Outward, giving outward is mm, big. That's mm. big. And telling my story, you mm. know, speaking on the mm. radio. Mm. I, I, you know, I think that's also helping the listeners. Yeah. You know, with um, hoping that it all sounds positive to them. No, look, it's not all positive. It's not every day is a happy day for me. Mm. It can't be. It, it wouldn't be normal. Be. No, can't be. You it know, can't be. But, um, but I think that, you know, we started off talking about a revealing, you know. Mm. All of a sudden, this part of you 
came to life that had been dormant. Mm. You know, it was there, it was mm. dormant. Mm. You, you've had to mm. go through what you've had mm. to go through. Mm. I don't know if you would have chosen that or if you wouldn't have chosen that. that that's your journey, uh, but yeah, uh, look, look what you have and uncovered. That is my journey, that is what I deal with, and that is, you know what, and um, I definitely, I, I feel like I have, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Mm. You can be proud of yourself and you should be proud, proud of, of yourself. I'm proud of what I've been Look through. at you, Bev. You are amazing, really. It's it's very inspirational. Gavin, you were saying something off air. Um, one thing that I've noticed in the work I do, one of the best things for a patient is to talk to another patient. Mm-hmm. And in all the years I've been doing this work, I've always had one or two patients that I could get hold of and say, would you mind speaking to this person for me? Mm-hmm. Tell them the road you've traveled. Yeah. And that's always seemed to help the person that's this is new to. Mm-hmm. And I think I did the same with Bev. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got another patient that was had retinal blastoma from a child, and they've always been willing to come and assist and tell their story and have compassion for the other person. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in that, the giving, the outward giving, yes, the outward giving, yes. just in all aspects of life. But I think especially when you have suffered or you are, mm. you know, you have the challenges is to go out yeah. and, and to give, which is incredible. And for you, Chantal, listening to the story, um, you know, how, how do you feel when, when you listen to Bev's story and, and what we're saying about everything? I think um, Bev is a real inspiration. Yeah. I think until you've been or walked in her shoes, there's no way you can know what what that's like and um also very sad mm. when i've heard her speak it can be also very sad to hear what she has been through mm. but really at the end of the day a, an incredible inspiration yeah and positive yeah and for you to hear that bev because you know you, you're hearing people are calling you inspirational but it's a sad story. Okay, very emotional. Yeah, and also lie. you're touching yeah. on people's mm. greatest fears. Sure. You know, so there sure. again, it's it's and so layered. so rough yeah. lately. I yeah. mean, it's just crazy what's going on. Mm. I know so many people, of people, and you know that are dealing with cancer, new diagnosis, and oh, it's just it's heartbreaking. Mm. It really, really is. Mm. Um, but I can just put it out there that if you can speak to somebody else that's been through the same as you're going through, no can- two cancers are the same. Right. But they're dealing with cancer with themselves. You know what, just unload with that person because your husband doesn't understand, your kids don't understand. The person that's going walking in your shoes is the only person that understands. Mm. That's mm. what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think let's maybe break for a song and uh, we'll be back. If you, you know, if you have any questions for Bev or for Gavin or for Chantal, you can call us or you can SMS us 010-140-3020 or you can SMS us on 34519. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. 
Welcome back. Five minutes to one o'clock on the DL Link show, which was founded all the way back, the DL Link, in 2010. Michelle Goodman and Jackie Atsula, um, it was really born out of Devorah Leia's dream to have um, an organization that would just comfort and hold and support um, cancer patients and their family in a way that is it's quite difficult to to, to describe the, the kind of support that they give. Um, and every week we usually have have a, a DL Link angel who comes onto the show. And Bev, you, I mean, you have experienced firsthand um, that kind of support. It's difficult to describe it. It's not like someone is just helping you with your medication or giving you advice. It's They, they fill all the gaps, don't I they? I was very, very blessed with all my support. I mean, firstly, from my, my husband and my kids and my sisters and my dad and my very good friends. Mm. They all rallied around me. They all wanted to come for chemo. I mean, when I used to go for chemo, they used to get thrown out because <laughs> you're only allowed one or two sitting next to you. So there was a bit of drama. Um, so my support was incredible. Mm. And, you know, um, I, I, I feel so blessed. Mm. And how were you introduced to the DL Link? I was introduced to the DL Link. A friend of mine actually called me up the one day and she said to me, have you heard of the DL Link? I said, I haven't. Because I was diagnosed in 2010, but I didn't know about the DL Link. Mm. Well, they just started, really. They had, they had just started. Right. So I think maybe 2014, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine said, I've given your name. And the next thing, I think, I, if it was Michelle that came to my house um, with a khala, and then um, one of the, the, the counselors came to chat to me, Denise. Mm-hmm. And um, from then I became, you know, such a part of them. They would come, they would bring me gifts, they would come and visit me, um, they would call me. They were awesome. Mm. And Rob is just, he does everything. I mean, he bends over backwards because he just thinks that they're absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. So what happened with that was uh, Michelle actually approached Rob and said she wanted to do a big fundraiser. Mm -hmm. Can Robert help? And, you know, and he's got a lot of connections Mm -hmm. in the business that he does. And um, um, it didn't take long. And we got in, I mean, our first one that we did, I think we had 300 guests. And this last one, we had 380. So you have to find a new venue next year. We were bursting at the seams. Yeah. I mean, it was wonderful, was wonderful, awesome. but it's it going to awesome. get bigger. Next it's year we're going to find bigger. a new venue and, you know, uh, people know what it is now. You know, they, they, we had to, the awareness of DL Link, people were not ever exposed to it mm. and now they are. Mm. So, um, yeah. yeah and, and Gavin, for you, I mean, had you heard of the DL Link and what was it like, you know, um, finding out about this incredible organization? Well, I hadn't heard about them until Bev. Yeah. Um, but I think they're doing a great job. Yeah. And the more support they can get, the better. Mm-hmm. And so so we have the show and hopefully we just continue on and on. And I always say, you know, we're always looking for stories. Um, we we want people to share their stories. Um, and, and so if you have interesting stories that you'd like to share with us, we'd always appreciate your contacting us. So you can always just SMS us on 34519, your details, um, and we'll make sure to get back to you. So unfortunately, we have run out of time. Um, Bev, thank you so much for coming onto the show again. It's really been thank fantastic you. having you, you on the show. You, it was awesome. Thank you. And we just wish you health and we wish you good health and strength and light and love and joy and all the the wonderful things that go with that. Thank you Take so, care. so much. Take care, Bev. Thanks, lovely, you. lovely to have you thank on the you, show. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Chantal and Gavin, thank you very much for coming in and explaining how an eye prosthesis works. I'm, I'm walking away certainly more um, um, uh, with more knowledge around that and 
Wow, very interesting. Thank you, guys, and thank you for the incredible work that you do. Lovely having Thanks you on the show. Thanks a lot for having us. Thank you. Thank and you. thank you for tuning in. It's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I look forward to being with you next week, same time. Until then, you take care. From me, Nikki Seberini. Goodbye.